Midday Magazine for Friday, August 11th. I'm Hannah Floor. The OBI Seafoods Cannery in Petersburg is ahead of schedule. They hit 100,000 cases of fish on Saturday. That's four days ahead of last year. But as KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, workers were so busy canning, OBI had to blow its celebratory steam whistle a few days late. OBI's steam whistle blasts for about a minute and can be heard all over town. It customarily goes off when the processor reaches 100,000 cases. This year, that whistle was late, but the cannery workers aren't falling behind. Jeff Randrup is the cannery foreman. I spoke with him on the phone while he was still in his busy workshop. He only had a few moments to spare, and then it was back to work for him. We were so busy that uh, actually we didn't have time to do it. Even though the news came late, Randrup says his team took a couple moments to celebrate when Tuesday rolled around. I kind of let people know, and then they can come out and at least take video and pictures and uh, enjoy the moment. People are generally going to lunch, and <laughs> we're still on a timeline, but uh, everybody is, uh, you know, pats on the back, and everybody's um, told they did a great job, and so this company is great for that. OBI was not available to comment on how things are going compared to years prior. But Randrup says it's been an especially productive season. From where he's standing, it looks like the numbers are up. And uh, we're kind of the hot zone here. We're getting fish, <laughs> and we need to take care of it. And I think uh, the numbers are up, essentially. Southeast uh, is kicking. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have an amazing run here. Good for for the community and the economy of Petersburg, and I'm proud to be part of it. Randrup says the community should get ready for another whistle. He says they're packing at least 10,000 cases a day, and they're well on their way to pack over 200,000 by the end of the season. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Kodiak fishermen are disappointed by yet another setback to this year's salmon season. Trident Seafoods announced over the weekend that they will pay just 20 cents per pound for chums and will stop buying salmon altogether for most of the state starting in September. As Brian Venwa reports, it comes as fishermen have faced lower prices across the state compared to last year. Trident announced the price drop in a letter to its fleet on Saturday. That's less than half of last year's price per pound. In the same letter, the company said it will not participate in fall salmon fishing and will only purchase salmon from Petersburg and Cordova South starting in September. Jerry Common Kanagan has fished for Trident Seafoods for decades. She says seeing the price drop so low this year is frustrating. It makes it extremely difficult as a commercial fisherman to make expenses and even to make a profit, which is what we're in it for, especially when the fuel prices have gone up and grocery prices have all risen it's taking away anything that we might be able to make. She says Trident claimed they would pay about 30 cents per pound earlier this season before lowering its base price. Kodiak fishers have also faced lower prices for tanner crab earlier this year. A lot of the island's fleets also fishes for Bristol Bay sockeye, where processors announced significantly lower prices earlier this season compared to last year as well. But lower prices aren't the only issue. Late runs and fall fishing is usually Kodiak's bread and butter, and the island had a large pink salmon forecast. 
Cobbin Canagan says she usually fishes into the fall, but now her season's been cut short. Cutting it off about the 1st of September, that's where we typically fish silvers. And having that cutoff date does impact our ability to earn more money because we could still be fishing until the 15th of September or so. Trident said in the letter that the move is in response to Russian fishers flooding the market for salmon. A spokesperson for Trident emphasized global market conditions and had no further comment when reached by email. Greg Smith is the communications director for the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. He says ASME recently received more funding from the state legislature and they're doing their best to move Alaskan salmon as fast as possible. We're using that to reach out and do additional work, promotions, to increase market and and demand at retail, food service, and then direct to consumer. We we know there's more work to be done, and and we'll we'll do that work to stimulate the market and and stimulate demand. Cobbin Kanagan says she wouldn't be surprised if her peers who fish for other processors receive similar announcements soon. There's quite a few people that are impacted, and what happens, the reality of what happens is that when one processor puts out an announcement like that, typically... Other processors follow that situation. In the meantime, she and others will just have to hope for the best out of the situation. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Venois. Petersburg's hospital board approved its operating budget for 2024 at its meeting at the end of June. They estimate their total operating revenue over the next year will be $25 million. That's $3 million more than this year's estimate. Phil Hofstetter is the CEO of the Petersburg Medical Center. He says... It was a reach. It's such a tough environment right now, probably in the, the hardest that I've ever seen it in healthcare. The budget was tough. I mean, I'm glad we were able to actually move forward on it. I'll be lucky if it's cost neutral. Not quite out of the, the woods yet, but we're working on it. And I, I just a lot more optimistic this year related to that. And we've been getting some of the grants coming through because of the awesome work with our staff. Last year, last winter was challenging for the hospital. Hofstetter says PMC had to file for exceptional relief with the state so their salaries could match the local cost of living. The hospital was running up to 15% losses for three months and had to dip into some of their reserves so they wouldn't have to cut staff or services. The hospital board has come up with a few strategies to keep their books balanced and build their reserves back up. They intend to keep their management workforce lean and local. Hofstetter says that will be tough because his employees are already doing so much. Petersburg's very fortunate to have a lot of local hires. We have very little contractors. We wear like 14 different hats. Um, I used to say three, but now it's expanded into, you know, 10 and 12. And I'm, I'm being a little I'm exaggerated, but at the same time, it's it's very, very hard. So He says staff turnover is adding to their struggle to stay out of the red. It's been a challenge to retain their workforce in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Across the nation, it's uh, something that we're seeing in all facilities. It's well documented now, but it's all related to post-COVID results in healthcare. Um, very challenging to get your workforce in general. Lots of retiring. It's been hard on on staff. I can't do can't do anything without staff, and I just feel so so fortunate to have such wonderful staff that work here. As they rebuild, the board is focusing on lowering its expenses rather than trying to tap new revenue streams. But Hofstetter is hopeful that a number of grants might lighten their load. The funding will support specific programs such as home health, behavioral health, and PMC's nursing program. Southeast is expected to have its first big storm of the season over the weekend with potential gale force winds and two to three inches of rain. 
Caleb Crabbins is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Juneau. He says it's a shift from the dry weather the region has seen for much of the last month. We're monitoring this strong storm that's going to be moving into the Gulf of Alaska, and it's going to be bringing a weather front through the panhandle, bringing moderate to heavy precip, as well as some windy conditions. So it's kind of a big change from what we've been seeing. The National Weather Service expects the heaviest rainfall Saturday afternoon and evening, with rain letting up a bit in the southern and central panhandle by Sunday. Craven says it's likely most areas will see more than two inches of rainfall, with some areas potentially over three inches within a 48-hour period. That sounds like a lot of rain, but with everyone being so dry, the ground, you know, it's resilient. We are a rainforest. It's going to soak up a lot of that moisture, and it's going to be able to handle quite a bit of precip. So there isn't a huge concern at this moment for any impacts with the amount of rainfall that we're going to be seeing. Craven says the concentrated rainfall could cause rapid rises in small creeks and rivers, but waterways aren't expected to overrun their banks. In addition to the rainy weather, Craven says to expect higher winds. We can see winds 15 to 20 miles per hour sustained with higher gusts up to 30, 35 miles per hour at times. Especially through uh, Sumner Strait there, I definitely want to be mindful if you're out on the water. We'll probably see 25 to 30 knot winds out there as well, out of the southeast. Kevin says the storm isn't a cause for major concern, but because it's been a while since southeast has had a big fall squall, the Weather Service wants people to be aware of the incoming low-pressure system early. Just trying to give people plenty of time to say, heads up, this is our first big storm. Remember, heavy rain, windy conditions. Craven says the National Weather Service will be updating forecasts online at weather.gov slash Juno and on social media throughout the weekend. Twice a day, the normally calm waters of the Turnigan Arm surge upwards, creating a wave known as a tidal bore that attracts surfers from all over the world. As Alaska Public Media's Dev Hardiker reports, it's unlike any other wave in the United States. A group of people in wetsuits stand in the knee-deep water near Girdwood. They clutch their surfboards and watch as a wave rushes upstream towards them. They're here to surf the boar tide, a rare tidal phenomenon that the Turnigan Arm is home to. It's a wave that surfers like Pete Beachy can ride for a very long time. We're pretty lucky that we get to measure our waves in terms of miles. You know, we might only get two waves a day, but we might be able to ride for four or six miles. Beachy is part of a tight-knit group of about a dozen local surfers who head out to the arm almost every day to surf the boar tide. But it's not just Alaskans drawn to the long wave. Surfers come from all over the country to try it. Beachy started a guide company in 2015 to help teach surfers experienced in other waters the intricacies and the dangers of the boar tide, which he surfed for a dozen years. It is tough to learn, but once you learn how to catch the wave, you're able to be on the wave, like... For minutes in in ocean time a lot of places you catch the wave and you stand up for a few seconds and then you kick out so in terms of time on the wave you can get a whole month's worth of board time in one wave turnigan arms bore tide is caused by the extreme 40 foot difference between high and low tide every 12 hours when the tide comes in the shape of the channel funnels the water into a wave that runs all the way up the arm there's not many places where tidal bores happen. The Cook Inlet is home to the only regularly occurring bore tides in the United States, in Turnigan Arm and Knick Arm. The trickiest part, Beachy says, is that you only get one shot. Uh, it's kind of one and done. 
if you miss the wave at this section, you got to come back the next day and try again. This afternoon, Beachy is preparing to take seven surfers out into the water. They're pulled over on the side of Seward Highway, donning wetsuits and waxing their boards. Joe Sullivan came from Hawaii with his daughter Pueo to surf the boar tide. He's been here for two weeks and says it's like nothing he's ever done before. In other places, the longest waves he'd surfed were under a minute. But here, at Turnigan Arm, the ride can last 5 to 15 minutes. And if you paddle out far enough, it can be almost an hour. So this this is way longer. This is way longer, for sure. And you can feel it. You can feel it in your legs, and you feel it in your mind. You're like, what is happening right now? It's trippy. Sullivan says his Alaska itinerary revolves around catching the wave every time it breaks, twice a day. He lives what he calls mini-days. So where everyone else is living 24-hour days, we live 12-hour days, which is a real thing. So you wake up, you surf, you eat, you sleep, and you wake back up, and you surf, and you eat and sleep. It's pretty good. Corey Johnson is visiting from Carlsbad, California. He and his family are surfing the boar for the first time. I'm excited. I don't like the idea of you only having one chance. <laughs> you don't have a whole lot, whole lot of time to learn the wave, so... Right before they paddle out into the arm, Beachy warns the group about one of the dangers of surfing in the area, the mud flats. The mud is like quicksand, and the tide rises extremely fast. It's a deadly area to play in, and that's what I try and teach people out here is how to do it safely, how to be respectful of the waters. Beachy gets himself stuck and demonstrates how to escape the mud by throwing his arms wide and slowly working his legs out one at a time. Then it's time to paddle out. But there's no waves to push through like in ocean surfing. There's just the one on the horizon. It's barely visible, but you can hear it. And finally, it's here. The line of surfers jump on their boards as the wave hits them. Everyone catches the wave. The ride lasts almost four minutes. It drops them off right where they launched. They peel off their wetsuits under the hot sun. <laughs> Beachy says the ideal conditions speak to the group's wave karma. Everybody was happy, everybody had a good time, so like you can't ask for anything more than what we had today. Perfection. And he'll be back out again tomorrow for the next wave. In Anchorage, I'm Dev Hardiker. For KFSK News, I'm Hannah Floor.